Welcome to Rock Shop Talk. Our show talks best practices, fun anecdotes, and the latest cutting-edge technology in our field to kick your printing gears in a hyperdrive. Today's episode features having it made with the Stampinator. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back. want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. I am Rock US President Ross Hunter. Alongside me today is our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps, and we are also joined with Ryan Moore of Made Lab, All Made, uh, Ryanette, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and our special guest here as well is Mr. Jeff Ferrucci of Slant Engineering uh, and the creator of the Stampinator, which is going to be what we are talking about today. Welcome in, everyone. How are you? Great. How about you? I'm fantastic. It's beautiful here in the Pacific Northwest. We have sunshine Finally. for the first time. Finally. It's been like a really late, uh, late, late spring yeah. of rain, and now we've got really some nice 80 obnoxious. degree weather. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has been. It. I've been in Texas a lot, and it was very hot in Texas last week, about 104. Well, nice. Yeah. yeah, the South, and I think this whole weekend is supposed to be even worse, right? Oh anyway. yeah, going back there on tomorrow, it's going to be 105. Yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant because that's like muggy 105 in Texas. Mm-hmm. Dry heat at 105, I can deal with, but you have the humidity in there; it gets it gets kind of nasty. It's the that. best time to do a screen printing class. <laughs> when it's 105 degrees outside. Yeah, 105 <laughs> degrees, turn on some heaters and have some fun. Do, yeah, absolutely. Do you, right. Do you guys have uh, AC in the Made Lab? We do. Fortunately, we have AC both at Printed Threads and at Made Lab, and it stays pretty cool. So nice. It's not too bad. Nice. Well, do you have AC in your shop? I don't. Uh, we have high humidity and about 95 to 100. The I've fun, been in that shop uh, in yeah. August and experienced myself, and it's it's a lovely facility, but it's like walking into a sauna. Yeah, you guys told uh, me I had one up. of the cleanest facilities you've been in. So you did, nice. you did, you did. Uh, it's it's very a good way to clean. lose some weight. It's like you know, you print, you're working out, you got the heat going, you got the it sauna is. going, you just sweat. It's that old out. school, old school gym. Uh, actually, feel, Ross, here's how you lose weight in this business: you you come into work, you're in the working in 195, whatever it is, when you go home, you just don't feel like eating, you know, you don't want a hot meal, you know? So yeah. it's like, I always tell everyone, if you want to lose weight, come work with me. I can make that happen. <laughs> That's awesome. A little fringe benefit, right. Of, of, of working in a screen printing shop in the middle of summer. Um, yeah, we've got absolutely. a lot to get through today. I know Meryl, you've got uh, some updates on what's going on here. At Rock US, we got some giveaways, some some marketing yeah. stuff going on. Let's tell uh, everyone listening what's going on. We are giving away one ticket each to two lucky winners to the Shirt Lab Chicago sales and marketing event in Chicago, Illinois, from July twenty first to twenty second. Uh, flights are included what? if you're located in the continental U.S. It's very exciting. So this place, uh, get insights, strategies, uh, all your sales and marketing questions answered by leaders of some of the best in our industry. The tickets include entry to the event, a swag bag, uh, entry to exclusive VIP dinner. You'll get the chance to meet and hang out with a select group of Shirt Lab instructors, sponsors, and VIP shop owners. And to enter the win, very simple, three ways. Follow RockU at rock.us on Instagram. Like the post with a recent Shirt Lab graphic in our feed. 
tag a fellow decorated apparel industry friend in the comments. You feel free to tag as many people as you want. And uh, you get a bonus entry uh, if you share the post to your stories and tag at ruck.us. So lots of ways to win there. The giveaway ends uh, Friday, the 24th. Winners will be announced in our Instagram stories on uh, that evening. So uh, lots of cool stuff there. And also... Uh, yes. We at Rock US wanted to wish everyone a happy and safe reflected Pride Month. And we'd also like to wish everyone a happy and safe and reflective belated Juneteenth. We missed everyone for that. I uh, hope everyone had a, a great day. And uh, for tips and resources to encourage and embrace equity, diversity, inclusion in our industry and beyond, please visit uh, unitetogether.us. That was that was awesome, dude. I would have tons well, listed that one that one up. That was a lot of information. That's great. We're excited oh, yeah. to I appreciate that. To, to go to Shirt Lab and, and see a bunch of folks there. It's a really cool giveaway. Flights included, big deal. People should definitely get on and, and like and share and tag. It's exciting. Um well I, I will have to say that Shirt Lab is probably one of the better industry events out there. Uh, always really good information, a great community around there. So if you have a chance to enter and the fact that it's, you know, an all-inclusive trip, it's a definitely a great experience and we give, give it deal. a good go. Well, cool. Let's get to the topic of the day, um, the Stampinator um, and uh, Slant Engineering. Again, we're, we're here with Jeff to talk about that. I wanted to get started just kind of with the origin story. Stampinator, I mean... You know, where where did the concept derive from? How did you get there? When was it invented? Why did you make it? And uh, what brought us to where we're at today? Yeah, so, you know, the Stampinator was created because we were doing about 25,000 backpacks for Under Armour. And um, they wanted transfers. So it was like, you know, we could go out and buy six or seven of these hat presses and just hit the, the backpack right on the pocket. but you know, the production side is conversation, people are focused, you know, it's just, it's just not, you're not getting it done. So I basically did a cardboard cutout, kind of mocked something up and uh, went out and bought a GeoNite heat press, tore it apart and put it together. And next thing you know, I'm running 5,000 transfers a day with the Stampinator on a little sportsman press. So it yeah. was a game changer at that point. And, uh, you know, I knew I had something, but wasn't quite sure what it was. And back then that was going back seven years ago. Um, the downside was transfers weren't popular as they are today. You know, we have so many different types of media that the Stampinator does a really good job with. Um, and back then I was trying to sell the Stampinator as an inline heat press and, my focus and goal was to go after the smaller shops that had the one or two automatics, but they were like team shops. They were doing vinyl numbers with a, a print and thinking, you know, we could take out that step where you could print the name, put the vinyl number on all in one step. And uh, I decided to sell the Stampinator for $20,000 because I thought, hey, I got a patent on it. Let's go out and sell it for 20K. It'll be awesome, right? <laughs> well, I think when I met you guys or Ryan, that was in that was in Texas at uh we're at Fort Worth. And we had a gathering of people coming around just checking out what we had. It was just a little 
10 by 10 booth. And, you know, throughout the day, I could see Ryan looking over and uh, my brother and, and Ryan started talking. And I think at the end of the day, Ryan's like, hey, throw that sucker in this press and see what it can do. And that's kind of how the whole thing came about with uh, with Rock and Ryanette. That's awesome. So that was Texas. I was trying to remember what trade show that was. What yeah, do you remember was, what year it was? Oh, God. 16, maybe, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, 16, 17, somewhere around there. But that that whole trip to Texas was just it was it was tough because uh we got down there, I, the stampinator was gone, it was the only one I had, and they, you know, we found it, but uh but it's been interesting since. It's been uh it's been good. And are you an engineer by trade then, or was this literally like you just had a need and yeah, actually had an I'm idea? An engineer. I am uh, I am MacGyver. You know, thank God I grew up on MacGyver, right? <laughs> so, you know, look, I've I've always been savvy. You know, I've 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 had Jeeps, I I've put lift kits on, pulled motors out, rebuilt the top end of motors, all that, Harleys. I have all my toys. And uh so mechanically inclined, yes. Um it allowed me to develop Stampinator and uh and make that work. So it's funny on how just something so simple can really make a difference in printing. And, you know, I think about a lot of people out there in the engineering world of screen printing. You know, these guys, they're great at what they do, but they're sitting up in an office thinking that, hey, you know what? I'm going to develop something. We're going to just make one. We'll sell it, see how it goes. And it doesn't work. Well, you know, for me, being a printer for 26, seven years, you know, just knowing and understanding what we need, that's how the product was developed. And uh, I kind of feel like, you know, that I was like the innovator in the industry because I think my stamping area was out before the rock iron. And uh, they, I know it was out before the hothead and, and other units that are out there. Um, but the hard part was getting someone on board. And I was fortunate that Ryan and uh, Ryanette jumped on. Because one thing that I've learned within the industry is, um, you know, everyone's secretive, you know, you have uh, with their products, nobody wants to know and help you and deal with you. They want to build their own and take it to market and uh, go from there. So, you know, I was pretty thankful that you guys jumped on and uh, really helped take Stampinator to another level. That's awesome. So Ryan, for you, I mean, what was that tipping point? So you guys meet in Texas, you're looking over, you you see this thing, you know, sitting there. And it's, you know, something you haven't seen before. Like what what kind of drove the relationship at that time to, you know, get it on the press, see what it can do. And then how did you guys take it to that next, you know, phase of kind of like a go to market with the product? Well, first of all, one question for Jeff. So from the time you took that heat press apart to that trade show, how many years was that? Uh, after it was, um, before we actually started selling it. No, no. Yeah. Like when we met, when we met at the trade show for how long after when you took the heat press apart and first made the first one, how many years, like, what was the time frame there? Uh, it was, it was about a year and a half. Wow. It's pretty fast. Yeah. So the, the first unit I made weighed 75 pounds. <laughs> it was like, it, it was, it was pretty awkward, you know? And, uh, and now we have it down to uh, 46.5 pounds. So 
big difference without the yeah. I just remember, background. I remember the name, and I, I'm like, what is this thing? Is it a heat press? Is it a flash dryer? And what's a stampinator? Like the name, you know, like definitely stood out to you. And then your brother Jonathan is relentless. Like he was just like, hey, you want to try this thing? Like, hey, like <laughs> come over to our booth, and we get hit up. You know, being Ryanet and and that screenprinting.com website, we would get hit up all the time about like selling products on screenprinting.com. And so every once in a while you have a good idea. There's a lot of bad ideas. And like you kind of said, there's a lot of ideas that go absolutely nowhere. Like I have an idea, like, and it, it, they go absolutely nowhere. I mean, I've heard some doozies out there, you know, just really horrible ideas, but this was obviously you had a product. And so it was like, yeah, why not try it on a press? And really back then it was all towards heat transfers and Heat transfers in 2016, 2015 are nothing like heat transfers are today. Like heat transfer, right. ironically, like today, this has come back full circle because we weren't even thinking about doing anything else with the stamp. And it was like, just like, hey, you could do heat transfers on a screen printing press. Like, oh, it's kind of cool. Let's see what it can do. So, and it was extremely heavy. It was, <laughs> gave you a good workout. Yeah. Well, hey, going back to the name. So I couldn't think of a name for it. And uh, at the time, my, my daughter was like, hey, dad, I want to watch uh, Terminator. And I was like, perfect. So at the end of the movie, I was like, Stampinator. That's, that's the name. Because it stamps and it's just going to annihilate everything. You know, just we're going to crush numbers. 480 units yeah. an hour, right? So it was like, and 480, it was, at the time when I thought of Stampinator, I was always intrigued by WD-40 because WD was water displacement. It took 40. 40 times for them to develop the product. And the first time I ran Stampinator, we yielded like 480 units an hour. And I'm like, it's Stampinator 480. Because I'm thinking, you know, like, wow, that's that's a lot of transfers. And, you know, at that point, we kept growing it bigger and bigger. And I think we were doing like 960 transfers an hour uh, once we got it. And uh, some of the tricks that we had to do were our media that we were using, we'd use the adhesive. Because we just throw, when we we're doing the backpacks, we throw them on the sleeve pallet and they're swinging all over the place. But having that adhesive transfer on there from stalls, we were hitting them for like 1.5 seconds. It was, it was unbelievable. It really was. And uh, wow. then I found out that there wasn't a market for the Stampinator for heat transfers. And Ryan was like, hey, we need the mat down fibers on shirts. And that's a big problem within the industry. And now... The two rock presses that I'm running, I have a, the Eco and the U. They actually run the Stampinator right after we print uh, the underbase. So we eliminate the flash. We stamp. We mat our fibers. Nice, smooth surface. It's like you're printing on paper. And uh, I, I can't see us using a flash in, in any on any press that we get at this point moving forward because it's it's just the print is rewarding. And, uh, if you want to make your prints better, the Stampinator is it. And look, you know, when it comes to other products on the market, I don't like to knock anyone. Everybody has their idea on what they're doing, but you know, one of the benefits to the Stampinator is it, when it prints and mats fibers, it comes down direct onto the garment and goes back up. Whereas your irons and rollers, they pull your shirt out of registration, especially if you're the shop that's using a spray adhesive, if you're using a water-based adhesive, uh, you, you tend to get a little bit better hold. But even when that wears out, 
your shirt is going to get pulled. Whereas on the Stampinator, you'll never have any type of a, a misprint or uh, lose registration. Um, so it's, it's a great product and it, it does take a little bit to acclimate to, you know, uh, especially if you're a shop that has went out and uh, purchased an automatic for the first time, uh, printing from manual to automatic, huge learning curve. So it, it's been interesting. And um, I think I would say somebody told me about a year ago to stop pleasing 110% of people out there, just please 90%. The other 10% forget about them, but I can't, I gotta, I want the other 10% to be happy and as well as the the 90%. So um, it's been interesting. And uh, I see now that we passed the pandemic, the Stampinator sales are starting to pick up inquiries are coming through more and uh i think you know it, it we're coming in on a, what our third year and there's been a lot of people out there who are skeptical about it you know like oh it's just a glorified heat press in a in a print head you know i'm gonna i can build one myself but now that people are seeing and hearing what the results are it's starting to really pick up and you know the goal is I love to see a Stampinator in every press, whether it's an old press or a new press, you know, so it definitely makes a difference in your product. Awesome, Look, man. the Stampinator has allowed me to pick up customers or clients like Live Nation. You know, I'm printing for within the music industry. I'm printing for the guys on the Discovery Channel for Street Outlaws. You know, all those things make a difference. I, I do a print. I hit it with the Stampinator. I mail it out to these guys. I show them what we can do. And the next thing you know, I'm getting an order. I, I get a response that your print is amazing. We've never had shirts like this before. So a lot of it is, you know, your screen mesh of what you're using, how you're printing your underbase. But I, I truly firmly believe that I couldn't do a better job without the Stampinator. It just really took the level of printing to another notch. Nice, man. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick uh, moment to take a commercial break. And when we get uh, back, we will talk more Stampinator. We'll be right back. With the highly advanced and now lighter in weight Stampinator, you'll have no problems printing on standard sleeve platens at record time. With smaller arms and a recent sleek redesign, the Stampinator will change the way you think about printing with its robust capabilities embedded in simplicity and intention. The Stampinator is now included with the purchase of a Rock U while supplies last. To learn more about how the Stampinator and Rock U can supercharge your production with the cleanest and most impressive prints and access your free printing automation ready score and receive powerful insights to help you press onward, please visit at rock.us or call 187-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. All right, Earl, this one's for you, brother.
welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. I am Rock U.S. President Ross Hunter. Alongside me today is our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps, Jeff Fiorucci of Slant Engineering, the inventor of the Stampinator, and Ryan Moore, partner at Made Lab and All Made. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back from the break. We just heard from singer-songwriter Jake Nacrelli. You can find him online at Music by Jake Nacrelli. That's J-A-K-E-N-A-C-R-E-L-L-I and Jake Nacrelli on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, and other streaming services. Uh, Ryan, tell us about the latest with Made Lab. What's going on? How are the classes been? And what I've, I'm now dubbing them the Made Lab Coats. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think there's something there. Uh, so what have what have you and the Made Lab Codes been up to? Well, thank you. The, it's been a, a lot of fun. We have we're almost to 20 events this year, and Dang. each one's gone really well. I think the last few have sold out. We have a new uh, a new event style of event this weekend called Made to Hustle with Stan Banks and a completely different audience. So it's been awesome to work with startup shops with pigskins and pigtails, Jennifer, and like the press hall team, like just completely newbies to the whole industry, then to like more advanced classes with the major rock classes and automation. And then also we're doing a really cool water-based camp, which is definitely the most advanced class that we've done so far. And that's in the end of July uh, in collaboration with Printing United. So a lot of fun. Events are a blast. Ross is great at events. Uh, Rock always throws amazing events, but they're a ton of work. And so it has been exhausting and a lot of trips to Texas, but I love Texas. Texas is fun. (laughs) I love Texas too. I'm from there. That's my favorite. From there. I am from there. Someone made a Uh, joke on the last podcast. We were all, um, I was in a podcast with MNR and MHM um, a week ago. It was live and someone made a comment about how interesting listening to an Aussie and Englishman and a Texan um talk on <laughs> on the podcast i thought it was interesting they even knew where i was from so they must have been listening to one of our shows at some point where where i dropped the whole texas line but um, that's great i love that you're traveling there that's awesome yeah uh speaking of so when you were down there you you were just uh over the break we were talking about this you made a couple of videos uh at made with the stampinator i believe it was on the u i could be wrong um was it? Was it the U? Yeah, we have a U and an oval there, and then Printed okay. Threads uses it on Printed Threads has like every single one of the rock presses. So between the two wow. shops, there's every single press made. But Amazing. they use it on the next mostly. But a lot of people, we put it on the U first of all, and a lot of people think that it's harder to run on the U. I think Jeff. The one thing about Jeff is he is an amazing screen printer. So if you ever get a chance to like hang out with Jeff at a trade show and just pick his brain about screen printing, like that's. It's weird because this whole product was invented for like he transfers, but the guy is in a fantastic screen printer. And so he can really help dial in screen printing processes. And the stamp editor is just one of the tools in the tool chest to do that. But the guy is a great screen printer. He's taught me a lot about, you know, how to build better underbases and use less ink and build a better print. Obviously, you know, using the stamp editor for a lot of it, but just general screen printing best practices. I think I'd like to do a class with him and, and maybe lab too in the future. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Kind of fun. Like made made to transfer. Ooh. Made to rock, made to transfer, made to stamp. This is a lot of actually be kind of cool to have a transfer class. I think a lot of things people don't under like know about transfers. It's become more and more prevalent. 
But, you know, in terms of people just getting into the market that have, you know, maybe started screen printing or even have their first auto um, and haven't really gotten into that, you know, transfer game. I mean, that could be something actually really cool there, really beneficial to people to learn. I dig that. I kind of want to open the talk right now to that very topic. Um, and both of you kind of jockey on this, what your experience is. But Jeff, could you talk to how how the stamp editor works with the U specifically and how people can um, elevate their print with it? And also just any kind of uh, pitfalls to avoid insider tips to streamline operations, et cetera, with uh, maximizing the performance of this partnership between the machines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, the U is, um, you know, one of the, a little bit different press from the Eco and a few of the other presses where all heads come down at once. Um, what I find is when you're utilizing the U, it's best to allow the print head to stay down instead of come back, coming back up. So I find a lot of print shops, they like to double stroke their underbase. So in that case, if you're going to double stroke your underbase on a U, you want to go into your print, your print head, you want to choose final and pre-flood, and uh, you want to set your strokes to three. That will give you a double stroke with the print head staying down. Um, the other part with running the Stampinator in the U is we speed it up so we get about four seconds between the flood and, uh, or together with the flood and the, the squeegee. That allows Stampinator to stay down for three seconds, versus having the stampinator come up up and down on a double stroke um the the other setting that um that i like to you know make sure there's always set is the pre-flood because if you don't put the pre-flood on the print head when you stop and, and start a new cycle the squeegee will go up come back and then as the print heads coming up the squeegees decided it's going to flood um, and then you end up laying more ink down, you get a blur on your image and I'll get a phone call saying, Hey, my, the stampin' air is blurring my image. Well, that's because there's too much ink that's being pushed through the screen at that point, um, from being raised up. And I, and I think that, you know, we just, there are videos out there for it, for people to watch and see. It's just, there's a lot of bells and whistle with, uh, with whistles, with the uh, press that people need to learn as, uh, you know, as they move forward with, um, having the the you in their shop um the the other part is uh if if you when you set the u up in the install on the stampinator it's important that you put the off contact at zero I, i've i've noticed that a lot of U's they need to be at zero to get that eighth to a quarter inch compression with the stampinator on the rock eco we can set it between three and five um, and I really think that's just the difference between the length of the print head and the setting on how it's leveled when it's being installed. It's just a, a smaller version of, um, you know, really the eco with the print heads coming down at once. What, nice. what settings do you set the Stampinator to when you're using it as that second head flash? As the second head flash. So I always, we test with, um, Rutland and, uh, Wilflex. But now that you know all these ink companies are being bought out by Rutland and, and, and Wilflex, they all seem to keep the brand the same, the, the, the opacity the same. One thing that I find is 
look at what the ink manufacturer's telling you. If it cures at 280, then you want to back Stampinator down to about 290. You know, I get a lot of questions. Uh, you know, well, look, you know, I was always told you can't cure the underbase because the print won't stay on. Well, with Stampinator, you are curing the underbase. We can cure it four seconds. Okay, we when we mat down the fibers, we're not we're not looking for a full sheen on the garment of of the print. Uh, one of the biggest questions I get is, I don't have a full sheen. It's shiny in the middle, or it's shiny to the left or to the right. Well, the fabrics are different, so you know they're not always balanced and even. So you're going to get different um, levels of of shine and and matte finish. As long as you have a smooth finish and those fibers are being matted down. It's like printing on paper at that point. Um, so it, it's, again, it's just a, really a learning curve, but really understanding and paying attention to what the manufacturer recommendations are on your inks. You know, one thing I find is a lot of people don't like to read directions or follow the proper steps. They just want to jump into it and figure it out. And this business is a very technical business. You know, you can, you can be a professional screen printer or you can be the mom and pop screen printer. Okay, so the mom and pop is, you know, the guy that comes home after work, he's doing it for some extra money. You know, the professional screen printer is making a living out of this industry and taking it to a whole nother level. And, you know, the Stampinator will do that for you. It's, it's really a plug and play unit. You put it in, you make the settings with your off contact, you adjust your heat and you print. And you can do some amazing prints. Um, we print with the U now. I have uh, a seven color, 10 station. We print a lot of jobs that are five, six colors, sometimes seven, where we have to use the flash to pull the stamp out. But we print and we stamp at about two and a half seconds. And uh, we'll print directly on top, wet on wet. And we're getting amazing prints. Hmm. Um, so... It's just really knowing and understanding the industry and the equipment that you're utilizing to make your prints better. That was one so of the questions I was... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. What, at what temperature? Is it 320, two and a half seconds that you set it to? Uh, so at two and a half seconds, we're at 335. So we go from a, a one second to, to about three seconds at 335. And then we get up to four, between four and seven, we come down to like 320 roughly. So the Stampinators, they all go out. They're already preset at 335. Um, if you increase that heat, you're going to have your ink, your underbase is going to gel. And then when you go to print the next uh, head, if you don't have a cool down, or even if you have a cool down and your shop's real warm, you're going to get tack. It's going to stick to the back of the screen and uh, it's your ink's going to start drying in the screen. But one of the benefits with Stampinator, especially when you're when we're running the Eco, is I always hear a lot of people in shops say, oh, it's important to heat up your pallets before you print. Well, that's true if you're using like a water-based adhesive, you want to heat that up. But technically, when you use the Stampinator, you can put the water-based adhesive down, print your underbase, and stamp. And it creates almost like a little bit of a steam each time it goes around. So we're sometimes we're printing, we're yielding about 650 units before we have to go back and put the water-based adhesive on. Uh, the, the benefit with the water-based adhesive is, as well is when you're printing and, and you don't have to preload your shirts, you can just go right in and the Stampinator can print the pallet with the water-based adhesive. It won't stick. If you're using a spray glue, it'll tend to stick to the back of the, 
the mm. Teflon sheet. So if you're printing like a hoodie on the U, it's always important to preload your sweatshirts. Spray your glue, preload, and then start your cycle. Because it's uh, you get the glue on, it's going to ruin the print on your sweatshirt or, or your T-shirt at that point. Um, yeah, so what, what else do you have, have for the... Well, one of the questions, yeah, one of the questions I was going to ask, which I guess is, you know, related to any machine, you know, whether it be a rock or you or Vico or an MNR, I, I know that the, you know, your machine works across multiple different manufacturers is when someone gets this, how hard is it to get set up? Like, what do they need to think about in terms of, you know, electricity or, you know, setting it into the press? you know, hooking that up, how, how does it clamp in? Like, just kind of describe the process of, of getting one in, opening it out of the box and, and what do folks need to, to think about ahead of time? Yeah, so some of the things that you need to think about is in your shop, first of all, the Stampinator, it's, uh, it's a single phase unit. So it's 220, 240. It's 3,500 watts, it draws 17 amps. So you need a, 13, a 30 amp breaker. Uh, your plug adapter needs to be a 30 amp. Uh, you can plug it into, uh, any type of press that is a three phase. You just end up dropping one of the legs in the three phase. You cut that back or have your electrician do that. And, uh, you can run as long as you're getting 125 out of each leg or 115 out of each leg to get your 220. Um, the, the other part is it's really, you know, it's simple to install. You basically put it in place of your uh, screen or any type of uh, flash that's mounted in the printhead, lock down your clamps, and then always tighten up the knobs just to give it a little extra security. Um, one thing I will say on the U, I've had a few customers that have reached out where it's important to slide the print carriage all the way back and then adjust the procs. So if the, somebody does decide to turn on that print head, it's not going to come forward. We had some issues where the print head came forward and it knocked the stampinator out of the back when they were printing and it literally fell off to the side on the floor. So just some things to, to think about when you're doing it uh, within your shop and, and really training your employees to make sure that that print head is turned off. A lot of people know that, so it's not much of an issue. I think the issue was just with some people who had as a big, you know, a new press in their, in their print shop. One of the things that people don't realize is that this is like a heat press. So think about your heat press and the different platens that you have to use. You can't just stick a small kid's shirt on a heat press on the top of a heat press and, yeah. and hit, you can, but it's going to flatten down all the surfaces of that shirt, like the collar or the sleeves. So if you are doing different sizes of shirts, you want to have smaller platens like a youth platen or a sleeve platen in order to not have those seams up. And then you also want to make sure that you're setting your artwork or your screens up so that you're printing color off um, for traditional screen printing. And we can talk about how to set up for transfers separately, which is a little bit different than that, but it's not just quite as simple as plug and play with a flash dryer, like squeezing a, a youth large shirt on an adult platen because you are hitting it on contact. And in terms of like other like special effects, so we've talked about transfers, we've talked about matting down, you know, our fibers or fibrillation, you know, using it as a flash um, after an underbase. What other applications like, you know, does it work on 
foil, if, if you're pressing foil, I mean, what are some other things that you guys have used it for and, you know, special effects wise? Yeah. So we, uh, we do do a little bit of foil. One thing that I find is, uh, uh, the foil that you're, you're getting from the manufacturer, it, it has a shelf life of literally a year. And, uh, when you buy it, we don't know how long it's been sitting on. We, we've had really good success with infinity foil. And when we print, we use a 150 mesh. We're using X glue and we print the X glue wet. And then we lay the foil on top and then we stamp it. It does a great job. Now we do get once in a while, you know, some lift up where it's missing. But even when you're using like a, a rock iron or MNR's hothead, it's the same thing. It's the it, it's not that the units, the roller and the irons, they can't handle it. It's just the, it's the foil is just bonded to that carrying sheet and it won't come off for whatever reason. So it, it does a great job with foil. But you have to be patient. Sometimes we're hitting it at anywhere from eight to 10 seconds. It really depends on what we're doing. If we're doing a small amount of foil, it does an amazing job. You know, we'll add foil release to our inks and I'll put the Stampinator at the last print head and we'll have, we have an open head and we'll just lay the foil right on top of it and stamp it. And then we use the hot peel. So the shirt unloader is actually pulling the foil off. Uh, different types of media that we do. We do a ton of neck labeling and we do all of that with a transfer. So we use, I use art brands for all my transfers. It's just basically a screen print that we'll do for one color. And if it's a uh, multi, we'll do a digital, uh, a, a digital print. And we can do, we do about, we run about a thousand, our best was a thousand ten an hour for adding neck labels. So I have two ink cups that we do actually do neck labels and two of them can do, we can do 8,000 shirts in, in an eight hour shift with two of the ink cups, but everybody likes wow. doing, running the uh, neck label with the heat transfer. So we've been talking, it's like, you know, we got to get a smaller press just to do, you know, a transfer neck label with the Stampinator. <laughs> um, it, it's, so when you look at things like that, um, it's you can if if you're creative, you can utilize the Stampinator. I feel in many ways within That's your awesome. shop. So yeah. So one one other point on that, Jeff, is like if you are doing transfers, definitely get the pallet rubber that can either glue on or a second set of platens for the the machine. Whatever, like M and R, of course, those other machines come with a pallet rubber that works good because it gives a little bit of cushion underneath that heat press the same way the bottom of a heat press is not solid metal you know so it has that cushion that teflon cushion underneath on a heat press so if you are using that on on a rock or a mhm that has like straight honeycomb aluminum you do want to probably get a second set of platens in order to have that rubber on top to give that give yeah and so that will absolutely so not not to interrupt you but i just to touch base on that point so the rubber we want to use if we want to cure shirts. If we're doing transfers, the rubber that you find on your traditional heat press, we're going to go with instead of using a three eighths sponge rubber, we're going to go with like a, a quarter inch or a sixteenth of an inch or an eighth of an inch, depending on the media that we're doing and what product we're putting it on. So when we do our neck labels, we literally cut out a three by three uh, quarter inch thick 
sponge rubber. We cut two pieces. We put one in the front and one in the rear. So when the stampinator comes down, it still stays level. You definitely need something where the heat's going to reflect back up to apply that transfer. If you are using a rubber mat on your pallet um, and, you, and you want to do a transfer injunction with maybe a print, you can do that as well. But it's important to make sure that you have pallets with rubber that do not have any dips in them. A lot of the, the rubber that's out there, um, they, they form these little pockets because the, the rubber actually has air in it and then they end up concave and down. So going back to Ryan's point, you know, you can run the uh, rubber on your pallets and you can have two sets of pallets to do that. I, I highly recommend that. One of the benefits in our shop is we have two sets of pallets. We cut the gum, uh, I, I keep calling it gum rubber, but we, we cut the rubber down to about 15 inches wide that allows us when we're printing a ladies bellow or a next level, we can pull the seams right over top of it. Because all of our prints that we do are mostly 14 inches wide, maybe 14 and a half. And uh, you, you can pull the seams right down and drop the collar and it raises up just a little bit. It, it does an excellent job for that. So that's one of the things I recommend. It's cheaper to use the gum rubber on your palette than it is to go out and buy an extra set of pallets if you can't afford it but you will have to continue using the rubber on your pallets for every job that you print. So we changed ours out because of some of the clientele that we have, we're printing the entire size of the pallet. And with today's prices, the ink, it's absolutely crazy. You know, you just blow through it. But, um, but yeah, it's the rubber is key to having a really good transfer. So, the sponge rubber, is it just normal sponge rubber, neoprene sponge rubber? Or what, what's the thickness again that you get? Uh, like we'll do, stuff? Yeah, so I'll, I always recommend doing like a 16th to a quarter of an inch because if, if you're using a 3.8, you're going to have to always think about the, the stampinator. You're going to have to adjust the off-contact, bring that down almost a, about an inch. And on the rock presses, it's millimeters. But you don't want to have it where you put that on and you don't adjust the stampinator and all of a sudden the heat platen's coming up and really compressing your springs. So now when, and again, Brian, this is different types of media. When you get into DTF transfers, we are basically using the white rubber from action engineering with the adhesive. We put that on our pallets and we're doing DTF pretty much, you know, all day long without any issue. The key to DTF printing or transfers is you have to hit it once with the, the carrying sheet. You peel the carrying sheet off and then you have to hit it again. And it gives you a pretty amazing job, especially when you're running any type of uh, wicking type material, it, it really bonds to that material well. Um, when you, and again, that also depends on where you get your transfer from. So on the DTF, they run the print, it comes, it has a shaker with powder, and then it goes through an oven. And if it's over cured, it's going to take a lot longer for that transfer to uh, release off the carrying sheet. I'll use uh, this little break in conversation to take a commercial break. Um, we will be right back to talk more Stampinator. 
Why are you here to unite? Record a selfie video up to 20 seconds telling us why you're here to unite. To be included in an industry collective video collage, be sure to include your name, your company name, and where you're located. Show your solidarity and submit your video answer to unitetogether.us. That's Unite Together. Unite. Understand new ideas through empathy. to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. I'm Rock U.S. President Ross Hunter. Alongside me today is our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps, Jeff Fierucci of Slant Engineering, uh, also the inventor of the Stampinator, which we were talking about today, and Mr. Ryan Moore, a partner in AllMade, Made Labs, and lots of things screen printing as well. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back from the break. Over the break, you heard from, again, singer-songwriter Jake Nacrelli. Uh, find him online at Music by Jake Nacrelli on all major streaming platforms. Thank you so much. And uh, Jeff Ryan, now Ross, too. Last uh, we spoke, we were talking about the U and the Stampinator together. I wanted to open up the conversation of what it's like on the rest of the Rock Fleet, perhaps other machines as well. Uh, differences, uh, how we can give value to our listeners. Well, well, first of all, let me say, Ross, you used to run a screen printing shop. Mm -hmm. What you had a MNR Diamondback, I so did. which you got from Roundit forever ago. <laughs> uh, and what what would have this done for you, like running a shop, like in the quality of your prints and stuff like that in in the Southern California oh. market, the school market? That would have made a huge difference. I mean, we always tried to find ways to do this without actually doing it or spending money i mean at the time i mean this was in what oh oh seven oh eight i mean this kind of technology i mean jeff maybe had it in his shop right because you invented it but it wasn't like you know tools like this just weren't market ready so we we uh what did we do we'd flash things way too hot you know we'd bring them underneath the screen with nothing in it except for ball bearing grease and we'd run a squeegee um, basically and print grease over the top of this. We essentially are creating our own stampinator without any technology. And, you know, it did bad things to the ink, right? It wasn't the right way of doing things. And so, I mean, it would make an absolutely huge difference. And for those of the people out there that are doing things that 
that way that, that like I used to do them. And trust me, it's still, I've seen it many, many times in today's day and age. It's such an inexpensive thing to, to buy and such a huge tool that's going to save you a ton of time and, and really make things look the way that you want them to. So, I mean, I would have loved to have had this. Absolutely. And Jeff, maybe you had it. When, when did you actually put it on? So when you made this, how many years ago? I don't think that we said that. Yeah, it came back about like seven years ago, roughly. That's when you made the prototype then. Okay. Yeah. So you pretty quickly then took it from prototype to to going to a, a show and and having that first like beta version out then. Yeah, absolutely. So wow. what did you do before? Always been a screen. Because you were printing. I mean, yeah. So what did you like? What, what was, was your method? The, what was the stampinator before yeah. you actually had the idea to take apart a heat press and go do this? Did you guys use rollers were you being inventive with screens like we did did you do anything i mean what what was the the we thought before a, you invented this we use a traditional heat press you know i mean i never used a roller because i just was like you know i could do what you said you know we would put ink <laughs> in a screen and use a squeegee <laughs> to you know mat down everything right you know, it just it, you would get i feel like if you use a hard you know 70 80 90 durometer squeegee you're getting the same effect as what the roller is you know so the only downside was you'd have we'd have like white ink in there and a screen would tear or something would happen and then next thing you know you know you just ruined you know a shirt or two which isn't a big deal but the cleanup was the part that took forever um mm. so, i've seen like ross you used grease i've seen clear a lot of people use clear in that situation you we used grease. So we actually used the grease that we greased our machine with. Oh, wow. Whoa. And the reason was it was heat tolerant. So it, unlike an ink or an actual screen printing product, it never dried in the screen because it was completely heat tolerant and it, it didn't dissipate. And so it just kind of stayed there indefinitely. It was the worst use of a head on the face of the planet. I mean... <laughs> You know, it would have been nice to have something in there that functioned for more than than just that. But we did tons of names and numbers. And I'll tell you, when we did all those sports teams, the agony of the amount of time that it took for me. And, you know, I didn't want to sp I, I never bought more heat presses. So it's like, you know, you, you're standing there watching someone. It's like watching paint dry. <laughs> and it's, you know, eight well, seconds on this side. And then eight, and I mean, thinking now we've actually had clients um, with the Stampinator get quotes on presses. So an entire rock you with only one head. And I'm like, this is so yeah. inventive because all of the, you know, a lot of the money that you spend on a press is in how many heads it has. So if you're pulling all that off, you're basically buying a base. You're buying the platens and the computer system. And you've got the one head set up for a Stampinator. And I mean, you just run transfers all day long with with one or, or, you know, maybe two people, I guess, if you're just gunning it. And I had never thought that way before. I mean, most of us are used to, you know, you spend 1500 bucks or whatever on a clamshell and you're like, OK, I do this a lot. Let me buy, buy five or six of these where in all reality, you're dumb. I mean, your, your money is all dumped into labor. So it, it, it's now you're paying five or six people to run clamshells instead of one person to move things at you know 480 pieces plus an hour. Yeah, Ross. So with the clamshell, right how, how fast can you print on it? Like how many transfers an hour can you do on a clamshell? 
Uh, I mean, I'd have to sit and get a calculator, but I guess by simple math, probably I would say if you're doing well, maybe six or six to 10 a minute. So no way that fast. Like, no. What do you think, Jeff? I mean, you got 10, well, you got the time off, the time on, plus you, you got to set it the up. Time yeah, dude, maybe you're doing like three a minute or something mm-hmm. in all reality because you got to straighten everything out. It's about 15 seconds between taking off, putting one, and lining up. So you're probably going to do on average maybe 150 an hour, maybe, maybe less. Yeah, yeah on a good day. It feels like less, even. Yeah, it could. I mean, it could be less. Yeah, it depends on your operator yeah. who's, who's running it. Um, and then it, then your next step up from that is like a dual fusion, which those are nice. They run on air, you know, but that maybe can maybe double your efficiency or like it upwards of 250, 300 ish. You think on a dual? Yeah. You could probably do that on a dual. And, and again, at that point it's, it's all on the operator, which great. You know what I love about the yeah. automatic is the automatic's an operator, right? So as fast as you set that your two loaders and unloaders, they have to move just as fast, right? When you go over to the clamshell, the clamshell is going to move as fast as you are, right? At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You know, one thing I want to touch base on one of the things that Ross was saying about, you know, having one press with doing transfers, going back, I have, I have one customer who, and I'm not going to mention any names, but they want a transfer on their order, right? So it's actually four colors and they think that they're getting a transfer from me and they're not. We print them and we set the stampinator up at the last head and we hit it for four seconds and it gives you that sheen and it almost, it looks exactly like a transfer. If we use a matte finish with uh, a craft paper under the Stampinator, it gives you that screen print look. But, uh, you know, that's some of the cool things about the Stampinator is you can do some different effects with it to get, you know, something a little bit different in the retail world. If you're in the retail side of the business, versus you know going back in and and hitting it with a traditional heat press because we do have a handful of customers that buy the stampinator for in the retail world they call it heat tapping so after the shirts print it they go over and they hit it with yeah. a heat press they're doing that with stampinator placing it at the last print head to give it that look and it really works well within the college and uh, collegiate market because they love that look of the sheen when you hang up a sweatshirt, a champion sweatshirt or a uh, independent sweatshirt and it's shiny two or three color school t- logo on there, it stands out in their store and it makes a statement, you know? So we have a lot of customers that do use it for that purpose. Interesting. That's awesome. And awesome. then how many people do you think are actually curing is one of the things. So my thought process of the Stampinator was like, okay, first first like need transfers okay but not a lot of people doing them now it's been interesting even this conversation it's come full circle there's so many more transfers being used because of the different types of fabrics and all these all these different variables and dtf is like on fire right now so super color all that stuff now then you had like okay well we could use it as an iron or replace a roller to mat down heads and then it was like well, somebody could like actually put an automatic press in their garage with 17 amps of power and not have to have a 50 to 60 amp conveyor dryer because they can actually cure on press. Now, I don't see a lot of people doing that. I know a couple guys in Texas that are doing it, but how many people do you know that are doing curing on press with any type of automatic out there? So I would say, you know, I, I know I have about 10 to 15 people out there that are actually using it to cure. 
Um, I have three, three guys that have anatols that are doing it. One guy's in his garage. He has, uh, he's got a business, which he does web marketing. And then he does, uh, he was doing screen print, which he just switched over to DTF. But look, when I first got my press from Ryan Ed, and I didn't have a dryer, I have, I had over 275,000 impressions that I cured on my press for, I was running that for a year and a half that way. And, you know, at the time I had a partner within the industry, so I had a full-time job and that was just really coming up and testing and printing and using a stampinator. But I was printing for a lot of customers that are in the retail. And, you know, I was a little concerned in the beginning thinking, God, I hope this, every shirt's cured. I hope there's no issues. And, you know, we did a lot of tests. I took, we printed 144 shirts. We did a wash test and every shirt held up and it was amazing. You know, so if you're a small shop and you have a manual press and you want to grow your business, it's like any other business. If you're a screen printer and you're running automatics and you're tapped out at two and you know that you, you know that if you make that move, you go buy your third automatic, you, you know, you're going to be able to to fulfill the need for that, right? You're going to put shirts on the press. It's the same thing for all the people with manual shops. Invest into a small automatic, buy it with a Stampinator, set it up with the right rubber on your pallets. And I guarantee you with four to seven seconds, you can get a cure on, on your shirt, on press, and it will take your business to another level. You know, from a manual shop to still printing on an automatic, doing three times the amount of what you're doing in a manual shop. And it makes it more enjoyable, you know, because you're a manual printer. When, when you master it, you're good. You know, it takes, especially when you're printing half tones and uh, doing, trying to do different techniques, but uh, curing at four to seven seconds with Stampinator is amazing. And, you know, I still have a lot of people out there who just can't believe that we're doing that. And they're still a little skeptical on it, but you don't know until you, you buy it and try it. How does it translate to the other presses? Like uh, the experience going from the U to the next, the eco and onward. Um, is there any differences with settings or things to look out for? Is it work better for certain things, et cetera? Was that to Ross or to me? Oh, sorry. Oh. I was, uh, to, to, <laughs> to you. Because I, uh, I, I thought you, you said know. Ross. Um, I, I so, was interrupting him. Oh, so so on the press, uh, when you're running the eco, it, it works really well in the next in the eco. Um, you basically can program the head. Brock has been generous enough to put the stampinator program in there. You can program it for for one second to twenty seconds if you like. It it, it the next same thing. It, it just allows you to have more control over what you're doing. So as you start to speed up your press, you can run a lot faster for the shops that do the high volume. We were at, um, it was going back maybe two years before the pandemic. We had Josh at uh, Liquid Graphics. I went up, I put it in, and he was like, if that can't stamp for a second, then we don't want it because they literally print a thousand shirts an hour. And we mm -hmm. were printing and curing the shirt within one second, you know, for them to go and follow wow. up and print. It was amazing. amazing. Um, but, you know, look, when it comes to the U and the rock, it's definitely two learning curves. You know, the learning curve for the eco, you just put it in place 
and you hit the seconds and you walk away. The U, it takes a little bit of time, you know, making some adjustments, the proper adjustments to your, your squeegees, the speed and your print head coming up and down. Uh, I feel like it was made for the Rock Eco and the next. Now I have, we have Eric from Night Out uh, Graphics, who he, I believe he has three Stampinators and he does all water-based printing. And when he has a problem and one's, if one, something happens, He's on the phone hounding me like, dude, I need, I need it tomorrow. I need it tomorrow because he, you know, he, it is part of everything that they do in their shop. It really truly is. Well, I think that that's a print standard that would be awesome to see in the industry. Cause if you look at like how much waste there is just from shitty prints, like people just getting a print, we, our family just got chosen to be like a ambassador for Keystone RV. And so like, we'll send you t-shirts. I was like, oh, yay, we're going to get a t-shirt. And so we got these t-shirts. First of all, I asked, are they eco-friendly? Because their whole theme this year is camp camp better. So camp more eco-friendly. And they were eco-friendly. They were the Sanmar District Ritchie. So I'm like, yeah, good job. Eco-friendly shirts. And I get this. And it is a hairy ass, super thick plastisol print that is just awful like just awful and like, i'm never gonna wear it like if they just used that same print with the stampinator they probably would have used a third of the ink like seriously an ink's so expensive and i would have got the shirt it didn't have to be water-based it could have been plastisol and i've been like oh this is a nice print like because you're printing because when you get those fibers mat down you can go up in your mesh, you can put less ink down on your base, and you can put less ink down on top because you're not trying to cover up fibers. And your customers are going to be so much more happier. If that was the standard in the industry, people that didn't have one couldn't couldn't survive. Like there's other ways to do it, but it's harder to get there. You know, the irons and the rollers, you can do it. You just have to become better printers doing it. So, but the the end result is better quality shirts that last longer, the people like wearing more, they get thrown away less. Yeah, so if uh, any of our uh, listeners out there um, who happen to be uh, uh, partners with Rock US or the ones that printed those Keystone shirts that Ryan just slammed, I will happily gift you a Stampinator for his comments. <laughs> so just uh, <laughs> throwing that out there. I, they're going to, those next rounds of shirts, they're going to be on all made shirts and they're going to be printed on a rock <laughs> with the Stampinator and they're going to come out fantastic. Perfect. Well, uh, hey, <laughs> hey, look, Ryan, you made a good point, right? Like a 30 gallon drum of ink six months ago, I was paying 1250. Right now it's $2,400 for a 30 gallon drum. It's doubled. So I, I can't tell you how much I stress, make sure everything's burned on a 230 for the underbase. We're, we don't want to use much ink. You know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So that's what you cost. use on the underbase is 230? Uh, yeah, we run either 156 or 230, and we follow with uh, 230s and 305s. So if you think about that, like most printers, a lot of printers still on an auto print through a 110. We typically teach to at least start at a 157, 160 range. But even if you're going from 160 to a 230, just do the math. That's 33% less ink that you're using. You know, Absolutely. And it's easier to learn if you're a first-time automatic uh, press owner. It's easier to learn with a higher mesh than it is with a lower mesh because mm. a lot of times what I'm finding is with all these new printers, they're laying down so much ink that it's just they have tack buildup. They can't get it to cure. 
it's cracking. I, you know, I, I see it on all these groups that are posting on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, one of the benefits is for anyone out there who buys a Stampinator, you get free consulting from me. I will make you a better printer. Absolutely. And I could do that within a week, you know, giving you and teaching you the proper techniques. You know, it's to me, I like to share my knowledge with everyone, you know, and uh, I don't want to be the guy that's hidden in private and trying to make my shop even bigger and better. And I don't want you to grow. I, I want you to grow with me and I want to grow with you because you purchased the Stampinator. You know, it's just a lot of people want to be a better printer. They just don't have that technology or knowledge to, to do it. And it's out there, it's on the internet, but there's a lot of false, bad information, you know, from people that are posting on how to do things the right way versus the wrong way. And in a in sense, in reality, they're teaching them the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, hey, absolutely. Jeff, can I know you've talked about labor in your shop. That's a hard thing to get, you know, even manufacturing the stampinators and the back orders and the labor situation. You've automated a ton of stuff. You have a two rock presses, the stampinators, you have loaded tallin, screamer claim. But have you ever thought about opening up like an internship program so people could come and work with you for a week and learn and and help you out in your shop as part of that labor pool? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've I've uh, reached out to some of the local high schools to do that. And um, you know, it, it's the the problem for me is that it's hard to bring in a handful of people to train them when you're, when you're busy and you're, and you're running production and trying to give someone that hands-on experience and really working, you know, side by side with them. Because one of the things that when it, when an internship, again, it, it's hard to find good workers who are coming into a field that they really want to learn and screen printing, you know, w- with the heat and the, the elements that we work in, it's not for everyone. You know, it, it is, it's tough. It's a tough environment, you know, especially when you're on the East Coast with the humidity. And um, if, well, I'm talking if I could like, figure screen, that out. like a screen printer that wants to just come give you free labor for they already know how to screen print. Oh, yeah. They just want to come if, learn if, from you. Like, yeah. Hey, look, hmm. if somebody in their shop wants to come in my shop and come in and give and for free labor and work side by side and help <laughs> and learn. Absolutely. Send me 15 of them tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I am no, in. We, <laughs> we had so we had a customer at the major rock class he just got a rock he's a rodeo guy dale brisby and like he he has he does that that's how he staffs his ranch is like he has he's like i'll teach you how to rodeo but you'll come intern and he actually pays them but he doesn't say that he pays them yeah, and he yeah. has twelve thousand young men and women wow. like just waiting for the chance to come work for him like what a great pipeline of like yeah you know yellowstone yellowstone is probably giving him a boost <laughs> oh, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. That's well, awesome. uh, what's uh what's up for up next for Made Lab and what's on the horizon for Stampinator and Slant Engineering in general? Well, Jeff, right, yeah, well, why don't you talk about all the the crazy products? Jeff's in a crazy, he always calls me with new ideas. So like, hey Ryan, what about this idea? I'm like, oh, that's that's a great idea. How are you gonna do that? He's like, I don't know, I gotta figure it out. What are some of the new things you're working on that you can say that? Yeah, so so I, I do have one that actually, you know, I'm going to try to break out here in, uh, in October. And uh, it's called the Lentinator. Go figure, right? 
Um, <laughs> so basically, we are actually, you know, those little fuzzy balls and boogers that you get on the back of your underbase. We actually came up with the concept that actually removes the, the lint off your T-shirt before you print. So you don't have to stop and wipe your screen down every 300 shirts or whatever it is. Um, so one of the things that the why the reason why I wanted to develop and create this was one thing I learned with rock presses with you don't have a rubber base that you're printing on you're printing on that aluminum pallet and when you start to run out of ink that squeegee actually picks up the fibers and it comes through the shirt or through the mm -hmm. screen then you have the fibers inside your ink and uh, not necessarily that you know it's going to take all the the lintinator is going to pull them all off but it will really alleviate some of that pain with all the fibers that are on the, on the back of your screen. And uh, we feel like, nice. you know, you could put them throughout your press. You could have two or three. And I do have one other one that, you know, that we're working on is I look, Ryan mentioned the Lotus Holland. It's been one of the best employees I've ever purchased. He never calls <laughs> out. He is here 24 seven. It's amazing, you know, and uh, I can get anybody to run that thing. The other one is when we break down screens is we use product from Safety Clean where we clean the squeegees out. So now we have come up with this concept that when you break down your press, you ink card the ink off your squeegee and flood bar. You put it on this belt, it goes through. And within six minutes, your squeegee comes out clean. All you have to do is dry it and pop it in your screen. So by the time you set up and break down, your squeegees should come through. But again, in most shops, you always have like a double set of squeegees or maybe three sets. But that is one of the biggest things. When I find people who are cleaning squeegees, they move like a snail. And um, that squeegee cleaner always the seems worst to job. be in the worst part of the building where there's no airflow, right? That's every shop. So the That's most the caustic idea. chemicals too, right? Mm -hmm. And the most caustic chemicals, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you can do something where you have, um, you know, we're using enzymes that break down the ink versus these harsh chemicals that, you know, look, I'm exposed to them. Okay. I've, I've been printing for 27 years. I've been using chemicals that were not safe for you. And all these articles come out now and, and talk about Parkinson's disease. It's because of the chemicals that we that are, that get into your body that we're using, you know, throughout our lifetime. And unfortunately, the screen print industry is one of those industries that, you know, when it says to wear gloves, wear gloves. You know, if it says <laughs> to wear safety glasses, wear safety glasses. It's just it, because it will affect you later on in life, you know, because it says that on there. But the problem is every screen printer that I know that is like, I always say owner operator where they're out in the print shop, they are rushing. Okay. You can rush and you can break down your screens. You can hustle to get the ink out and all that. You're not going to print any more shirts that day than what you normally do. So slow down, take the time and just do everything correctly. Keep your shop clean. One of the best things that still sticks with me to this day was Ryan. He stopped by the shop a couple of years back and, um, he comes in and I always sit, I was sitting down the water base adhesive on the last print head and it had glue all over it. And Ryan's over there cleaning it off, you know, like, cause the green was just kind of like covered with just gook, you know? And it was like, and that, but that's my shop. You know, I, we clean, everything's clean and neat because to me, 
why go out and spend a hundred and some thousand dollars on a piece of equipment and not take care of it? You know, it's, it's important to take care of your equipment within the industry. You know, it's, Indeed. you're making a lifetime investment into your business. And when I say lifetime, your press should last you a lifetime. It should never break down. You know, you can, you can replace parts, but if you keep it dialed in and clean, it'll work forever. And that's what I love about the rock press. It's, we print butt-to-butt registration, and uh, we never lose registration. I go into shops that are you know, running different types of equipment, and they're setting a trap at like one point all the way around. You know, it, it, to me, go be a professional at what you do. And to be a professional, unfortunately, you need a Stampinator, right? So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> had to get that in there. Nice so long. Well, and and in terms of that, I mean, everybody should know that while supplies last, a Stampinator is included with the purchase of a Rock U Auto. Sweet, very important information. Up your screen printing game. I know yep. that, like anyone who's getting, if that's your first automatic press, or if you're adding another automatic press or replacing automatic press, guaranteed it's gonna it's gonna up level your prints. And I think Jeff. So in summary, if you want to learn how to do butt to butt registration, print wet on wet. Do heat transfers at, you know, 1,100 pieces an hour. You can just send Jeff an email at jeffslantengineering.com and apply to be an intern in his shop. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned Eric from Night Owls. He is actually teach, helping us teach that water-based camp. And he made nice. some technical tips to put on Instagram and stuff on the madelab.io channel on Instagram. And he, two of them were with the stamp in there. He absolutely loves that thing. He's like, this is, this is by far like the best tool that we have for great water-based prints in our shop. So that's the next thing that we have coming up at Made Lab is we are doing the water-based camp, WB camp on the 29th and 30th of July. And it is going to be taught by Eric and Val from Night Owls and Colin Sweet. Shane, who has been, Colin Shane, who's been around the, the block, literally, been around the world, literally. He had a couple rock presses, got into water-based printing. Then he got some M&R presses and expanded water-based printing. He then went back to rock presses. Uh, he has the biggest oval right now in the U.S. because he emulates wow. international water-based printing. So he's been in Bangladesh um, working with Jeffrey Paul at Young One over the last like six to seven months, almost a year, I think, maybe. And so he's going to teach all those techniques that he's learned from how to do international printing, but on small U.S.-based formats. We're going to do a print that they would do in Bangladesh, but we're going to do it on the Rock U PA. Like, so nice. he's going to teach that. And then Jesse from Matt Sui and uh, Saudi, Dave Macon from Saudi on, on better screen making. So really excited about that. I think water-based people went back to Plastisol a lot. It was a big topic before the pandemic, but like just with the pandemic, the labor shortages and everything, like people are just like, okay, we need to do what's easy. We're going to leave ink in the screens. It doesn't have to worry about drying. So a lot of people went back to just strictly focusing on Plastisol, but now that plastisols have gone up so much in price, water bases haven't gone up. They've gone up a little bit, but not nearly as much. And so I think a lot of people are looking back at that and looking at the quality of it again. So I think it'll be a great, great workshop. That's awesome. Well, it's great to hear what you guys both have coming up. Um, it's exciting. I can't wait for the, the Lintonator. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll be previewing that whenever Jeff is ready uh, to throw it our way. And uh, definitely check out Made Lab's website for all their upcoming classes, uh, the ones that Ryan just spoke of. And we also have some awesome Made to Rock classes for those of you interested in 
um, you know, getting better at your automated skills um, and possibly even just seeing what Rock is all about. If you don't know anything about us and you're looking to get into the industry or, or make a move potentially from from another brand. Um, with that, guys, let's give our audience uh, just uh, how they find you uh, and get in touch with you, both your website, social handles, and email address if you want to throw it out, Jeff's personal phone number for internships if you want to give that to everyone. Uh, we'll start with Security. Jack and then go to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you can reach out at, uh, you can go to slantengineering.com or stampinator.com. You can reach me at jeff at slantengineering.com. But uh, again, like Ross said, here's my personal phone. I always throw it out. It's 410-718-6618. So if you do want to come out and spend a day or five days in my shop, I guarantee you when you leave, it'll be a wealth of knowledge and uh, it'll take you, take you to a whole nother level within your print shop. And um, it would be a good thing. I would enjoy working with anyone who is up for that opportunity. That's awesome, cool. man. Thanks for putting that out there. And Ryan, uh, where can people find uh, the many ventures that you are involved in? So if you go to madelab.io, that is like all the classes and education that we have coming up there. And then just follow me on Instagram at Ryan Moore, no E at the end, allmade.com or at allmadeapparel and all the other stuff. So <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, Jeff, Ryan, appreciate having you both here today. It's a great yeah, conversation. For Excited for uh, what's next in the future. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you very much. Continue to uh, press onward and uh, rock on. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks to Jeff Fiorucci and Ryan Moore for joining us today. As always, thank you for spending time with us this week, and thank you for the opportunity to be your partner in print. Tune in at your convenience wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Rock Shop Talk. If you'd like to request to be on the show, please visit rock.us slash rockshoptalk. If you found today's episode helpful, please recommend it to a friend who you think may find it helpful as well. Please like, share, and subscribe on social media. And until next time, printers, press onward. Press onward.